song that was recorded in 1967 right still lives uh you know in in the questions you sent me before this interview you were talking about cover stories and how do you like covers you know the the cover of begging by maniskin the the italian group right at at, at one point recently a few months ago it was the number one song in yep. the world on Spotify. Yep. It was more streamed than any other yeah. song. Can you imagine you're, you're write a song and let's see, let me do the math right quick. 33, 55 years later, it's still the most listened to it's song in the entire the world. Song. It's just an amazing thing. Did it win the Grammy this year? Because I know that Peggy Santiglia was nominated as a co-writer. Right, I don't believe it won, no. Okay. No, yeah, I think still. they got nominated, but still. Most of my friends don't like it because, you know, they're, hmm. they're purists. My, my four season <laughs> fans are in their purists. They don't, they don't like, you know, the song has changed. I, I love it. I love all the updated versions. How modern artists can find something uh, from the past and build on it and, and, and change it and make it more modern. And I'm sure Gaudio loves it too. In 1987, that was a huge time for magazine journalism. I, I always think of, of, you know, Esquire. I go back to the Nora, like the Nora Ephron days. And so I can't help but think when your article came out, like with this business story, was Rolling Stone, you know, I, I we put this in our rundown, like was, was Rolling Stone like upset like that, that they didn't get this story? Was anybody thinking, oh, why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't I ever think to ask? Um, did you ever, did you get any comments like that? Not exactly like that. The, the, the funniest thing that ever happened to me in connection with that article is, I, I flew out to Palm Springs, California, for a, a time meeting. Time brought a lot of its people from around the world. I mean, we had people stationed around the world and we had this conference in Palm Springs. You know, you always pick nice places to have boondoggles. Anyway, so we're having a meeting about the future of time. And we had a motivational speaker and he was, Given us all this stuff about how we should do this and do that, and and this this is what people really like and want. And uh, so after the conference was over, I was at this little bitty airport that serves Palm Springs, small airport, and the motivational speaker was there in the same waiting room. And I went over and said, hello, I enjoyed your presentation very much. And we got to talking and, uh, uh, and he, he, uh, and he said, you know, there was one time article that just blew my mind. It was about these two guys and they, 
they said, we're going to make a pact with each other. And if we make it, I don't know which one of us is going to make it bigger, but let's stay together and let's split everything down the middle. It was, it was a great article, a great article to, to motivate people to dream big. And I said, yeah, I wrote that article. <laughs> so that was, that was funny. I mean, the Four Seasons in the early 60s were the biggest group until the Beatles came in. I mean, the Beatles, when the Four Seasons went to England in 1963 and the Beatles were just starting out, they went to the Four Seasons concert. Paul McCartney was a huge admirer of the Four Seasons. And he, uh, he, he bought the publishing rights to some of their earliest hits. And, and to this day is, is a fan of the, uh, of the Four Seasons. And a lot of other musicians revere the Four Seasons. But you know, music really changed in the 60s. It changed from doo-wop love songs to more socially conscious, uh, even political songs with Bob Dylan and, and drugs and sexual revolution. And music just changed totally. And, you know, so, some people say the Four Seasons aren't influential. Well, that's total nonsense. Uh, you know, Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees, one most successful groups of all the time. Here, here was the quote. He said, Frankie Valley to me has become one of the hallmark voices of our generation. This was his comment about Greece. From the deepest emotions of his real voice to the power of his falsetto, he created a style that we all strive to emulate. And the, and the quote goes on and he says, you know, when, when I chose someone to sing Greece, it could only be Frankie Valley. Anyway, so in, in 2000, when was it? 2007, Frankie Valley put out this new album, Romancing the 60s. It was, it was done by Motown Records. Motown hired me to write publicity material for it. They also recruited a guy who writes frequently for the Rolling Stone to write an article about Frankie Valley for the New York Times Sunday Arts and Leisure. He didn't use that quote in the Sunday New York Times article, but then later on, it was obvious to me that he had written this blurb about Frankie Valley in Rolling Stone uh, because he used this quote that I had gotten from Barry Gibb and it ended up in Rolling Stone magazine. And so I said to myself, yay. I've got one more London story about how Des Mackinoff used me apparently in a pep talk to the British cast. Rick Ellis told me about this because I was, I was there for the last preview, I went up to Des on the last preview and I told him who I was and that I'd seen Jersey Boys many times in Broadway. And I thought the London cast was great, that even though I'd seen it many times, 
the London cast was so good that they really made it fresh to me. And, and I just thought it was wonderful. Well, the next night at the, at the party, Rick told me before the opening, Des had given a pep talk to, to the cast and he had told the cast what I said. That's apparently what Des said to the cast was, well, this guy came up to me last night after the last preview. This, this is like a crazy person who's like, like seen it 60 times or something. And he just thought you guys were great, even better than the American. So I guess Des thought I was nuts. But anyway, did you have this, Howard? Have you seen this? No, no, no. I've never seen on, that. On, My on God. Spotify. I've never seen it. On Spotify. Um, I actually have the original. Uh, RCA Victor album of the four lovers from 1956. It cost me. I don't know how well you see it, but look at these, look at these little bow ties. This is, uh, this is Frankie. Of course, this is Tommy. This is Hank Majewski. The, wow. the girls love him, you know, and some Hank. This is Hank Majewski. And this is, uh, uh, Tommy's brother, Nick. Who, uh, ended up in prison and is not going anywhere, but this is Nick DeVito. <laughs> but what's really fascinating about these liner notes is that in the Four Lovers, they did not publicize, they did not say either Frankie Castelluccio or Frankie Valley. Uh, they didn't say Tommy DeVito. When they were the four lovers, they adopted the last name Love. They were Frankie Love, Tommy wow. Love. It says so right here in these liner notes. Frankie Love, Tommy Love, Nick Love, and Hank Love. And then it says, although they work professionally under the name Love, only Nicky and Tommy are actually brothers. How do you market the sh how do you market the show to people now? Well, so for me, I, so with appealing to you know our demographic, we're all about the anti-hero. You know that's why there are so many Marvel movies about villains. People love hearing about those, and in a way, you know, if you decide to look at it this way, you know, the characterization of all the four seasons can be pretty like anticlimactic, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, so I like to say that it's a, it's a show about four anti-heroes and you can see kind of like their own internal rise and fall. So um, people are, are when I explain it that way, people are more intrigued to watch it. Julia, you, you <laughs> are a distinctive individual. Thank you. And a credit to your generation. And I hope, I wish you tremendous success in marketing Jersey Boys in the future. After, <laughs> unfortunately, Howard and I have gone to our rewards but you know, it, it really it really makes me feel great that you people will keep help keep the music alive always and, yeah. uh, and keep it going absolutely absolutely you know um you you uh, reminded me david when you talked about mary delgado's famously quote if you don't like it you can go fuck yourselves uh, that reminds me the back and forth between me and Bob and actually Bob's wife, Judy, about his quote that went into this book. Yes, please. Uh, 
they, they <clears throat> when when they put out this box set, Rhino asked me. They were planning to have three compact discs of songs. So that was going to be at least, you know, 60, 75 songs. It ended up being 76 songs. And they just asked me to write the liner notes and they asked me to write a comment on every song. And I, I said, that's going to be incredibly boring. I, I would run out of ideas and adjectives. So why don't I try to get you know, 76 different people right, right. To, to write comments on the songs and people were fighting over the songs. So I ended up with like, would have to have some songs with more than one quote. And I ended up with 89 people. And, and I, uh, I always joke that they're my 89 favorite people in the world. Cause they gave me quotes for this, uh, this, this, uh, box set and you know my wife is there you mean i'm not one of your uh, 89 favorite people pam singer said what do you mean i'm not one of your 89 favorite people and then i say well you're one of my very special favorite people anyway you would have been so, so so uh of course some of the quotes are from all the seasons there's a quote from bob from frankie from tommy from joe long there's quotes from all the four original Jersey Boys are quotes from Ellis and Brickman, uh, and there are quotes from celebrities like Nicole Kidman and Billy Joel and Cher and Bob Dylan, and it goes on and on. But of course, the last two quotes were going to be from Frankie and Bob. Bob would have the last quote. After all, you've read 75 quotes, and you get to the end, and there's Bob quotes. So I, I'm, I'm getting to the end of this process. And I said, I've got to get quotes from uh, Frankie and Bob. I have to do that. So I contacted Frankie's manager. The manager says, well, why don't you write a draft of Frankie's quote? I sent that to Bob and I said, I don't want to write your quote. Please write your own quote because you're a very good writer. So on October 25th, 2006, at exactly... 11.43 p.m., um, Bob's quote comes in. So here's what Bob comes up with at 11.43 p.m. He says, I know there are some of you who think we are one of the most underrated groups of all time, and just as many who would say quite the opposite. Well, for those of you who fall into the former category, I hope you truly enjoy this chameleon of a box set. It is part of who we were and who we are. For those of you who fall into the latter category, to quote Mary Delgado in Jersey Boys, if you don't like it, you could go F yourself. <laughs> Perfect. So, I, he didn't use the word fuck, but it's clear, it's clear what, what word is supposed to be in there. So I'm, I'm thinking, this is so Bob, this is so Bob, but it's not, it just doesn't quite work in the context. Now, a minute later, a minute later at 11.44 p.m., 
he sends in addition into his quote, he says, to FB, meaning Frankie Valley, to FB, after 44 years on a handshake and all the joy and pain, it's still about the music. Okay, I'm, I think a little bit, okay, that's good, I can work with that. I'm a professional editor, I've done this my whole career. Two hours later, at 1.45 a.m., I send him my email and my edit, but, but here's what I wrote to Bob. Hi, Bob. At first, I was taken aback by your quote, but I quickly began to see its virtues. I'm glad it's not sappy, like the one I wrote for Frankie, which he thought was great, or sappy like many of the things your friends said in their quotes about you. I'm very glad to have your own voice, a voice that is less banal and is more brooding. What was tripping me up was the Mary Delgado thing. Yes, there are many people who think you suck, but none of them will buy this box set or read these quotes. So this sentence is addressed to a non-existent audience. It's worth saying, but in another place at another time. If you want an article headlined, Bob Gaudio tells his critics to fuck themselves, I'll gladly write it in a place where some critics might see it. This isn't it. After more than 80 quotes full of praise for you and Frankie, it seems strange to tell a completely different group of people to fuck off. You may have meant it to be funny, but it doesn't come off that way. When properly distilled without the distraction of Mary Delgado, your quote has a powerful message. And the message is, Judge us by our music, nothing else. And I think that last sentence that you added should be a strong kicker to the quote. Kicker is journalistic jargon for the last sentence. Not, not an aside to Frankie Valley. You, you don't need to say this to him, he knows it. You're saying it to everybody else. Uh, a lesser point regarding the straight jacket of a format I imposed on this project. The quotes don't have to analyze the songs, but all of them at least give the song a wink. Maybe you'll allow me to do that at the beginning of your quote. Well, after all this fearful throat clearing, please see my suggested and not particularly draconian edit below. Please don't shoot the editor. I survived 23 years of doing this at time I hope to survive one year as a rhino. Thanks, Charles. So, so here, was, here was my quote that I sent off to him at 1.45 a.m. And it's really his quote, it's just distilled and edited. Did the glory live up to the hope? Some people think we were one of the most underrated groups of all time. Some would say quite the opposite. The truth, one way or the other, or somewhere in between, lies in this chameleon of a box. It is part of who we were, 
and who we are. After 44 years with Frankie on a handshake and all the joy and pain, it's still about the music. All right, so I sent him this quote, I go to bed. Um, I, I probably didn't get to sleep for a while because I'm really worried about how Bob's going to react to this. And I'm, I'm sitting here waiting impatiently. Finally, at 12.51 p.m., I finally hear from Bob. And Bob's, Bob's emails are always very short and terse. All he says was, OK, I feel good about the changes. You should have done this for a living. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> His, his joke, he always says his, his joke was, of course, I did do this for a living for right. all that time. So, and of course, just the name itself, Jersey Beat, is right. a play on Jersey Boys. Believe me, Bobby Businessman is going to milk this thing for every <laughs> everything. And, you know, we, we have to tie everything together in the uh, album that, uh, that Howard has mentioned. Where is it? Did I not bring that album back? Oh, here it is. Yeah. How would mention this? This is the this is the only product that was totally my idea. Yeah, yeah. Was to do, and it took me uh, seven years to get it done because it, it was like, like the movie, it was on the shelf for a while. And I, I had the idea to do an album of uh, Gaudio's music as recorded both by the Four Seasons and a lot of other people, including Frank Sinatra, Diana Ross, Nina Simone, um, The yeah. Temptations, and uh, many, many others. Uh, and the title they came up with for this album was, you know, audio, uh, audio with a G, sounds of a Jersey boy, uh, the music of Bob Gaudio. So they're, you know, Gaudio is going to milk that phrase Jersey boy and Jersey boys for all it's worth. I have to ask. So you were saying how Bob was, pun intended, instrumental, you know, in getting the show on Broadway, um, or, just, or just told in general. So I, I feel like there are definitely pieces of, of his efforts that we don't know yet. And, and also, this is something that David and I talk about all the time, that, of course, the Four Seasons are legendary. They're, they're, they're in the American Songbook, and if they're not according to some people, they will be soon. But they never won a Grammy until the cast recording. So how how do you like how do you guys feel about that? And how do you think Bob feels about that? I don't know if that's a fair question to ask, but I'm just all curious. right. I'll I'll tell you Bob's reaction to the Grammy because he it's just the way he is. I can't really truly tell you how he feels about everything or the Grammys. Um I'm sure he feels like he deserved a Grammy. But when he actually won the Grammy, I was talking to him on the phone. And so I, I congratulated him and said, congratulations, Bob, you won a Grammy. 
And he said, yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. But you know, bummer, they told me that I can't sell it. I'm forbidden to sell the Grammy. That that was his that was his joke about getting a Grammy that he, he was not allowed to sell it. So he said, <laughs> it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that much to me. Actually, I was at a board meeting of a nonprofit in my neighborhood that I was on a board, and I live in a intellectual neighborhood of New York, Park Slope, Brooklyn, where there are a lot of journalists and. Uh, writers and and snobs of all variety and you know i happened to tell this woman what i was working on i was working with jersey boys and stuff and she said you know uh the four seasons i mean they weren't influential i mean they were popular and they had hits but they weren't influential which was i mean this person actually believed that which is just false. I have, I gathered quote after quote proving that they, they influenced other people in, in, uh, in so many ways. And, and so ma many of their songs have become immortal. But, the, the, you know, there's a certain class of people that are mm -hmm. uh, locked into certain kind of hip music that that they don't see it i mean i thought that they choose to be unimpressed and i don't know why maybe it's because of, of because they're from new jersey you know it's a different class of people like you were saying they just can't relate you know because even for me like I, I i'm italian so like the four seasons are already in my blood you know from when i was born and, but, but, and it took me, you know, until like I'm in my mid twenties, you know, for people like for me to realize that not everybody's into that kind of culture or it's not just automatically ingrained. So I could imagine, you know, with the people in Park Slope, they just like, it just, they don't you care. Know, you brought up the Beach Boys. Yes. And see, that is, I think that's the greatest injustice of all is Four Seasons versus Beach Boys. Now, mind you, I, I grew up with the Beach Boys also. And I, I loved their records. I think they were great. Brian Wilson is wonderful. Uh, and, and I love their songs. And they really were as I told you, they finally got together and sang together on this song, East Meets West. And they were the two greatest groups before the Beatles. They were in competition. The Beach Boys even, I don't know if you've heard this song, but the Beach Boys even had a song called Surfer's Room. Oh, and the okay, end of the song, they think surfers four seasons better believe it. So they're actually addressing the four That's seasons right. and they're saying surfers rule and four seasons, you better believe it. So what really has always irked me is how among music critics, not musicians themselves, not other artists, 
but music critics that the Beach Boys get so much attention and the Four Seasons don't. Now, Rolling Stone loves the Beach Boys. Right. And, and the Beach Boys songs make all their lists. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I can't understand it because I, you know, the Four Seasons actually sold more records than the Beach Boys. They had better chart performance than the Beach Boys, but they were two, they were comparable. They were, they were both, they were the two giant groups before the Beatles came in. And both of them survived the Beatles invasion and were popular for several years after the, after the Beatles came in. Uh, but for to music critics, it's all Beach Boys and no Four Seasons. And here's my theory of why that is. Mm -hmm. That the Beach Boys appealed to rich kids who went on to college and uh, became music critics and writers for Rolling Stone and intellectuals and live in my neighborhood in Park Slope. And let's face it, the Four Seasons never went to college. They never even graduated high school. High school, you know, right. Bob Gaudio a few years ago was given his honorary high school degree. Compare the songs of the two groups. The Beach Boys sang about surfing, hot rods, cars, the things that rich kids get to do and rich kids can relate to this with the four seasons saying about you know being poor don't go away i'm no good for you because i'm i'm poor and 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 think how much be better your life will be if you if you go with that rich man and uh so the four seasons audience was kind of a broader everyman audience uh, was not was not the intellectuals necessarily, uh, though though some of us, like me and a lot of the elders, we became intellectuals, but we're we're kind of the exception. The intellectuals are all about Bob Dylan and right and 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 uh, you know folk music, blah blah blah, and and but so so the music critics you know, just ignore the Four Seasons because they didn't relate to them. You know, they, they were songs about being poor, songs for the working class. And, uh, and fi finally they accepted working class music when Springsteen did it, because he was a little more literary about it. Right, uh, and also from Jersey. And, and actually Bruce Springsteen went to Jersey Boys, he loved it. He went backstage to purse with a guy because if you talk to Bruce Springsteen, you know, he would admit, yeah, I, I, walk, I liked Walk Like a Man. That was inspirational to us Jersey guys. Stephen Van Sant, his right-hand man, gave me a quote for this box set about what a great song Walk Like a Man was. So yes, the Four Seasons influenced uh, Bruce Springsteen and everything that came after, uh, but you know they're not they're not going to admit that necessarily to a music critic. Um, 
but yeah, so that's my biggest gripe that Four Seasons should be as revered as the Beach Boys because they were very comparable. They were different. It was East versus West, uh, working class versus rich kids, but they, they were very comparable in their success and they should be held in equal esteem. Uh, and maybe, and thanks to Jersey Boys, maybe they eventually will be. Maybe, maybe the Four Seasons, because of Jersey Boys, will actually outlast the Beach Boys. I don't know. And also, going back to the cover of the Four Lovers record, yeah. with the red, like, that definitely inspired the costumes. I, yeah, yeah. Right? I think so. I think so. You know, there was there was a lot of work and research that went into Jersey Boys. I mean, Rick and Marshall really dug out a lot of stuff, you know, Time Magazine articles for the right teenagers. <laughs> yeah. they, yes. they, they, well, they left no stone unturned. Oh. Well, happy anniversary today, because now it's past midnight. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the anniversary of the... Uh, when, what a, when it came out. What's that? Yes. What a coincidence. Now, May anniversary, right. May 11. Yes. Well, yeah, as it's we also, say, it's also my younger brother's birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And well, on, on October 25th, with the emails you were sending, that's my Nana's birthday. So, but Tell it all you comes know, together. There's, there's something psychic going on here. There always is. I mean, well, seriously, Charles, what are the odds I was listening to Watertown for the first time ever today? That's crazy. Well, higher than zero, obviously, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing. It's so cool. Well, I'll tell you what, I well, to quote David, David, you want to go for it? I think this is a perfect place to wrap up. Uh, I think, guys, we've been talking for almost for almost exactly four hours. I mean, what a pleasure it was, Charles. I knew a lot of this, I'm but not a lot of it, man. I, I knew a lot, but not everything. I've learned a lot tonight too. Good. I have too. I've learned something from you two. Quite a few things. All right, have a good one, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Thank you. Bye.